Amen, amen. Y'all let them know how much you appreciate them leading us in worship this morning. Great, great job as always. Well, I thought I would begin a little bit differently this morning and play a little game with you called Name That Flag. Now, we've not done this before, and some of you guys aren't used to kind of hollering out stuff in church, but I want you to do that now. You have permission. Are y'all with me? Say yes. All right, so we're going to flash a few flags up here for you, see if you can guess what they are. Here's the very first one. Anybody know what it is? Say it real loud. All right, Kenya, who said that? By the way, God bless you, man. Like nobody in the first service, man. They were just not even smart. All right, so here's the, here's the second flag. See if you can guess this one. Anybody in the house? For, no, not France. Yeah, it is Argentina. All right, that's the flag there. If you ever watch world, you know, soccer, you'll actually find Argentina is like always up in the top. And then the third one here, anybody know what this one is? Not Israel. Ethiopia, who said that? Were you in the last service? You cheated, man, all right? You was out there in the hallway. Cheater. Y'all want to just ban him right now from this worship service? But anyway, that's it. Now, I know some of you did not get an answer at all, so, so I, I didn't want you to feel bad about yourself. So let me see if you can guess this one right here. Can you guess this one? There you go, United States of America. Very, very good. Now, the reason that I kind of did this is because we have been talking about the three flags that you and I are going to come in contact with in our lifetime. Last Sunday, we talked about the white flag. And whenever you see a white flag, you think of surrender, right? So remember the, the thought last time we were together. Whenever you surrender to sin, you by virtue automatically are in rebellion and opposition to Jesus Christ. But whenever you surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ, you are by virtue then, check this out, in opposition to sin. And you are actually against that. But this morning, the two flags left, and we're going to use these next week as well. So, but the two flags that I wanted to look at today is the red flag as well as the black flag. Now, these two flags represent spiritual countries for us as we study our text together. So we're going verse by verse through 1 John. We're in 1 John chapter uh, 3, verse 11. So go ahead and open that up very quickly. And as we prepare to read this together, what I want you to do is see if you can spot, all right, listen, little investigative work. See if you can spot the two spiritual countries that are mentioned. All right, so stand with me out of God's word this morning. You've got it there in front of you. Say amen. Amen. And then verse 11, the Bible says, For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the evil one, and he slew his brother. And for what reason did he slay him? Well, because his deeds were evil, and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life, because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our life for the brethren. But whosoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? And then little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. We will know by this that we are of the truth and will assure our heart before him and whatever our heart condemns us, for God is greater than our heart and he knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and we do the things that are pleasing in his sight. Let's bow together. Father, we do thank you for your divine word this morning. And pray in the name of Jesus that you speak to our hearts. Help us to see the two spiritual kingdoms 
And then help us, Lord, to be sober about which kingdom we're actually citizens of. And God, we pray this morning that perhaps by your grace, some individuals would spiritually change their citizenship as they see the glorious truth of your son, Jesus Christ. And we'll give you glory for it. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. You go ahead and be seated this morning. So we'll just jump right into this uh, together today, and we'll talk, first of all, about this black flag. Now, this black flag actually represents the country that we will call the country of death. Country of death. Now, it's interesting because every single person is born into this country because we're all born opposed to God. So all of us are citizens of a country called death. Now, John, in our text of Scripture, actually elevates for you and I a citizen of the kingdom of the country called death, and that citizen's name is the name Cain. Now, consider Cain for just a moment, all right? Cain was the son of Adam and Eve. Cain had a brother whose name was Abel. But Cain was not the kind of brother that you would want. Matter of fact, whenever you study Cain, you'll actually discover that he is filled with jealousy. He's filled with pride and conceit. And he is always looking out for himself. Now, does anybody, by the way, have a sibling like that? Anybody in the house here? Just, if if it's not you, it's because it is you, all right? That's the reason you're not with me. But that was Cain. Then you have Abel as well. Now, think about this, okay? Cain and Abel had two different occupations. Cain was actually a tiller of the ground, or we'll say a farmer. And then on the other hand, you have Abel. He's not a farmer. Instead, he is actually a shepherd, and so he keeps the flocks. Both of them on one occasion had an opportunity to go and worship the Lord. And so what do they do? They bring their offerings to the Lord in worship. And you can imagine Abel for just a moment. He is bringing the very best of his flock. And he is offering up to God in worship as a sacrifice of praise. And the Bible says that God actually receives his offering and he is pleased with it. So now it's Cain's turn. Cain walks in. And he brings his offering before the Lord, but the Bible says that God was not pleased with his offering. In fact, as we read the book of Hebrews, we locate the reality that whenever he gave, he did not give with a heart of faith. Now, the interesting thing is that after this worship was all over, is that Cain actually became extremely angry at his brother Abel. In fact, he was so filled with jealousy, so filled with rage, that he set his attention to actually get back at his brother Abel. So you know what he ended up doing? He found Abel by himself out in the field, and it was his moment. Cain rushed to him in a fit of rage and anger. He tackled him to the ground, and he killed him right there and left him dead. Now this is interesting, right? Because John does this. He elevates a country called death in this text, And then he says, let me explain to you what the citizens of this country actually look like. These citizens look like Cain. They are filled with pride. They are filled with deceit. They are filled with jealousy and envy and contention and all sorts of anger. And then the scripture goes on and says, and anger and hatred towards your brother is seen as murder before God. Now, go with me for just a second, all right? If you can imagine God looking down at a country called death and viewing all of its citizens, what God would find are individuals who are opposed to him. 
What God would find are individuals who have inside their hearts some sort of anger, some sort of jealousy, some sort of envy, some sort of contention, and this becomes the culture in which they live. This is how they act because they are members of the kingdom of death. And the Bible says that Cain was actually of the evil one, and that is a reference to the person who is the ruler of the kingdom of death. And who, who is that? Well, that's the devil. And so if I can say it to you like this, the devil has cast a spell upon all of the citizens of the kingdom called death, whereby it causes them to be led with a selfish lifestyle. And because of their selfishness, like Cain, they actually take life from others. And in doing so, they are seen by God the Father as murderers. Now, this is amazing because some of you are thinking, well, you know, I've never killed anyone. But this is the deal. God doesn't look as you and I look, all right? You and I look at the outside, but God looks at what? The heart. So he looks on the inside. So you and I will say, well, I've never killed anyone. Well, that may be true, but have you ever been anger, angry at someone? Yeah, yeah. So that's considered murder in the courtroom of God. Jesus said it like this. If you, as a man, look at a woman with lust in your heart, it's considered adultery. So what God is saying is, what occurs in the motivations deep down in your heart are really what make you guilty before God. In fact, what he goes on and teaches us throughout the scripture is that what goes on deep down in our heart really is only evil and deceit. Now, whenever John is bringing this up in the text... He is using a phrase in the Greek New Testament that actually describes an individual who is living in a constant state of anger or hatred. And if you can just imagine for a moment that on this flag is the word hate, is the word selfish, is the word contentious. This describes the culture the norms, the values of those who are citizens of the kingdom called death. Y'all ready to move on to another kingdom? Can I get a witness to say yes? Good, I was tired of talking about that one. This red flag actually represents a kingdom called, I bet you can't guess it, can you? Starts with the L and ends with an I. Yes, it is a kingdom called life. And I love this text of Scripture because what the Bible is actually showing to you and I is that where Cain was an example of those who are citizens of a kingdom called death, the individual who is elevated here is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, consider a few things that the Scripture says here. It actually teaches us for, in verse 11, this is the message which you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another. Now, look again, eyeball to eyeball. If I were to pull that country's flag out, it would say hate on it. But if I were to pull this country's flag out, you need to imagine that it says love on it. It's a different culture. It's a different way of thinking, a different way of living. And then in verse 14, the Bible says, For we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. Now, are y'all with me? Say yes, amen, amen. i got to move this out of the way so I can preach, all right? Because I want you to see this. When he says you have passed through death into life, that phrase literally describes an individual who has moved from one place to another. So if you imagine this, what he's saying here is that there are those who live in a country called death, 
who on one occasion had an opportunity to hear the glorious gospel of Jesus. And whenever they heard that Jesus died on the cross for their sins penalty, was buried and resurrected, they embraced that by faith. They said, man, I want to follow him. And in doing so, they took their white flag and they surrendered not to sin, but now to Jesus. And whenever they surrendered to Jesus, guess what they did? If you can imagine spiritually, they packed up all their bags and they moved into a brand new country, a country called life. So now they live here. Now. They have to learn a new culture, new norms, new way of thinking, new way of living. Isn't it awesome, too? You're born automatically into this country, but you are born again into this one. Now, consider for a moment, all right, if you moved overseas, all right? The first overseas experience I ever had was in Cambodia. Are you all with me? Say yes. So we had a Cambodian pastor come to our church, and he shared, or, or missionary, I should say, and he shared what God was doing over there. And after it was over, man, I was so fired up, I ran to him and said, hey, man, what can I do to help? He said, come over and teach pastors. I was 23 then, and I just said, okay, man, I'd love to. And so I signed up that night. And then I went home and found out where Cambodia was. <laughs> it's literally, if you take the globe and point at us, look on the other side of the globe. That's where it is. 24 hours later. I finally had, that was after I began to fly, y'all with me? I finally got an opportunity to get into Cambodia and walked in, and it was a culture shock to say the absolute least. Went to a restaurant, y'all with me, say yes? So imagine this, you go to a restaurant, and they tell you, they say, Levi, this is the best restaurant in town, you got to go to this one over here, it's an open-air restaurant. Which, by the way, is a fancy way of saying, this restaurant has no walls. <laughs> so I go into this open-air restaurant that everybody's been bragging about, and on just about every single table are about four or five cats. You know So what do we have to do? Now, I have to move all the cats out of the way, shoo them away, excuse me. And uh, they slide out of the way. They never even mean to you. Now, check this out. Every single night, because I didn't dare go anywhere else because they said this was the best. But every single night, I pointed at the same thing on the menu, and every single night got something totally different. You know That's no joke. That's exactly what happened, okay? Now, imagine... If I lived in Cambodia, man, I'd just, just have to get used to that. All right? Cats in the restaurants, menus make no sense. Are you all with me? But that's not how it is here. Right? So if I move there, there's culture shock. So whenever you move from this country into this country, it is culture shock because you're learning all new things. And that's why I believe John elevates the Lord Jesus Christ for you and I in this text of Scripture. And I love how he ends up actually laying this out. Look at uh, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16 because the Bible says, We know love by this that he laid down his life for us. Now think for a moment, okay? Jesus came. He was not born into a country called death. He wasn't a citizen there because he was born of a virgin. That ensured his purity. So he is born now in this country called life. And he is the perfect representative, representative, <laughs> representative of this country. And he shows you and I what it looks like to be a citizen of a kingdom called life. And how does he show that? Well, the Bible says he came to be served. No. The Bible says he came to serve and not to be served. So what does this mean? This means that Jesus came literally to fly a red flag of love, but check it, he didn't just come and say, just want y'all to know I love you. I love you, I love you. If he only said it, we would think he was a phony, would we not? But he displayed it. 
He displayed it by serving others. And then the Bible says in John 15, 13, greater love has no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. Or how about Romans 5 eight? God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that amazing? Jesus is the primary example of what it looks like to live in a country called life. Now, think for a moment, all right? Are y'all with me? Say yes. Turn your brains on because this is pretty huge. Jesus came and he lived in the world system, but he was not of the world system. Does that remind you and I how we are to live? Although we live as citizens of a kingdom called life, we are still in this world country, but we are not of this country. Now, John goes on and gives an example, okay? I'm going to throw this out to you, so I want you to listen, okay? Practical example. He says, hey, if you see someone in need, look at a preacher, everybody listen and say yes. If you see someone with a legitimate need, all right? and, and I stress legitimate need. All right? And you have the ability to actually help their legitimate need, and you choose not to do so. How can you claim to be a citizen of this country? Because that doesn't give the example of what this country looks like. That looks more like this country. Are you all with me? Now, I want you to think for just a second, because I always find this to be interesting. Around football season, every single year on uh, Saturdays, you can go out, college football season is what I'm talking about. Y'all with me? You go out and you see that people are like raging fans of certain teams. They're so fired up about the games that they literally have these little flags outside the car door window, all right? And they're driving 90 miles an hour to the game, and they're flying their Auburn, their Alabama, their Georgia Tech, their, what's that other school? They're, they're Georgia. I just want to mess y'all up. But anyway, so they, they fly the flag, all right? And you see it, and as they are going, they are giving evidence that they are loyal to a certain team. It's amazing too, right? Because it doesn't matter how inconvenient that Saturday is to their life. Nothing will stop them from getting to the game. Matter of fact, think about it. Let's say a family of four, like Krista and I have, and uh, they're headed to the game on Saturday. It's on the calendar. They cannot wait. But that, I'm sorry, we have six. We have four kids. I was only counting the kids. Please do not speak, woman. I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> that was pretty good. I called her woman. I will so pay for that later. But anyway, so... Imagine for a moment, though, we get in our van, all six of us, can I get a witness? And we've got uh, hanging out the window this Georgia flag. And so here we go. But as we look back on our week, our week was horrible. I mean, we worked all week long. We're dead dog tired every single night. One of those kids had a ball practice, so we were gone every single night. We got up at the break of dawn. We stayed going until the sun went down, and then we just went to bed pooped. At Friday comes along, we're ready to pull our hair out. But true fans could care less. Saturday rolls around. It doesn't matter how inconvenient the week was. They get up and they go. Doesn't matter how much it costs either, all right? You got to pay for the tickets? No problem. We're going in debt? No issue. We're going to the game. We've got to pay for parking. I'm aware of that. We'll pay for that. We've got to buy some food. We'll make sure that occurs as well. But there's nothing going to keep us from the game. 
The crowds are large. The seats are made of concrete. It's uncomfortable. People are yelling and drinking and acting crazy and men pouring beer all over each other. But we are not going to miss that game because we are fans and we love our team. Y'all still with me saying? All right, so imagine for just a moment, all right? When you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you get a new flag. It's the flag of love. And this flag displays itself as you serve other people. And John says, as you serve the brethren, as you love the brethren. He's speaking about the body of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine this? When you really fly this flag of love, it doesn't matter how inconvenient it is to gather together with the saints. You are not going to miss it. You had a long week, you're about to pull your hair out, Saturday night rolls around and you're thinking we're dead dog tired, maybe we should just skip out tomorrow, but no you don't because you've got a flag to wave. And when you came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you received a spiritual gift to be exercised in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Without your gift being exercised, we are not all that God has called us to be as a church. So you come. So you can wave your flag of service. You get up early and you come and rock babies so people can be in church. You get up early and you're prepared to teach your community group all because you want to wave a flag of loyal love to the Lord Jesus Christ and display that love within the context of this body of believers. Are y'all listening saying yes? Can I say something that might hurt your feelings a little bit? Thank you. If you can miss Sunday and not have to call anybody, you ain't doing nothing. Y'all just want to leave on that one? We want to we make sure we get together. And here's what I love about some of the testimony that I hear from people who visit Concord Baptist Church. Sometimes, and I've literally heard this come out of their mouths. They say, Levi, there's something different about Concord. I say, well, tell me what it is. When we go in there, I mean, it looks like the people really love each other. They're really serving. They're really caring for one another. That's because they are from this country right here called life. And they are excited to wave their flag of loyalty to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what they do. Do y'all see it? And so that means whenever somebody shows up in our fellowship and they're from a country called death, they should be able to look over here and say, man, these people are crazy. That's why John says, some of them are going to oppose you. Isn't this true? Even as you wave this flag of love in the community, don't you find that there's opposition? That people want to shut you down, silence your witness for Jesus, silence the gospel in your life? They want it to be completely removed from society. Why? Because it doesn't fit in their world system. And they're like, get out of here with that message. We can't hear that. We don't live like that. We are opposed to you. Jesus came, and did he not show us that whenever you get among the world's culture and system, but you live for the glory of God the Father, that the world will oppose you? Yeah, they opposed him to the point they put him on the cross. So what does this teach us? This teaches us as we give of ourselves to serve, there may be some opposition from those within the kingdom of death, but we go all the way even to a point of death if necessary. Now, I found this really interesting. I've never seen this before until uh, really Friday as I was 
preaching this message in the truck. All right, y'all with me? Cain represented a kingdom called death, and he took life. Jesus represents a kingdom called life, and he gave life. And think about that, right? If you choose to live as if you are a member of the kingdom of death, that means you're selfish. That means every single thing in the context of a church revolves around you. Everybody at work revolves around you. Everybody at home revolves around you. You're selfish. If you live this way, you're giving evidence that you've not really been changed. And if you live this way, what does this mean? This means you may not go to the physical act of murder, but your life does kill. Shut people off. Become resentful towards people, bitter towards people, angry towards people. I'll never talk to him again. I'll never talk to her again. Listen, your, I'm going to give you all the third point. Y'all ready for it right here? Your life waves the flag of the country that you are truly a resident of. So if I'm describing your life just a moment ago, and it's like resentment, I can't stand these people, I can't stand I'm out of here, I leave here. If that's your life, check your flag, bro. Because a true follower of Jesus, even if they do experience resentment or they experience anger because they are members of the kingdom of life, the Holy Spirit immediately says, that doesn't fit where you live. Man, that's good preaching. Y'all all right? Just don't fit. Now, if you don't experience that, it's because you still live over here. And you haven't moved yet. But I go to church every Sunday. It don't matter. It don't mean you've moved anywhere. Can I throw this out for free? Y'all ready? I'm just kind of tired. Now I'm meddling just a moment. But I don't want to meddle. Just a second. I remember going to a Georgia football game when I was a little kid. I was just in elementary school, and I went with a guy... Uh, basically across the street. He had a nephew hanging out, was my age, and so he invited us to go. Man, we went to a Tennessee football game. It was pouring rain. But boy, it was jam-packed, and we were fired up. Are y'all listening? We cheered, and we screamed, and hollered, and acted crazy, and did that whole fight song. Roof, 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 roof. <laughs> we were down with it, all right? Game was about over. We began to walk to our car. We won, by the way. And as we walked to the car, this guy came up to me. Now, remember, I'm just, you know, an elementary school kid. I ain't near as, you know, I wasn't near as huge and buff as I am now. But I was about this size. And this college guy came up to me, and he had a, had a uh, solo cup in his hand filled with beer. And he looks at me and looks at my shirt because I had a Georgia shirt on. He took the beer, and he just slung it all over me, soaked me in beer. Here I am now, soaked in beer. Amazing thing, though. I've gone back to a Georgia football game before. Now, Levi, why are you saying this? Because there are so many people in our community who got their feelings hurt at some church. And they say, I ain't going back no more. I'm not diving in. I won't give myself over again in the service because last time I did, somebody poured beer all over me. Y'all listening? Isn't that amazing, though, isn't it? Now, why would I let some dude who poured beer over me, all over me keep me from celebrating George? <laughs> Y'all ain't listening. 
Why would I let what somebody else did to me somewhere else keep me from serving my king, Jesus? Don't do that. Now, John says this, which I find to be highly interesting. Let me just read it to you directly here. Uh, verse 19, he says, uh, We will know by this that we are of the truth, and will assure our heart before him, and whatever our heart condemns us. For God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. Now, now look at me, because this was a bear for me this past week. Just trying to wrestle that passage down and see, what in the world is he talking about? Your heart condemning you. And thankfully, through some help of some other smarter guys, I came to realize this, all right? People come, and they serve Jesus willingly in the context of the body of Christ. They serve Jesus willingly in the community. But then there are some uh, who don't. And, and the reason that they don't is because, well, there's several factors, but oftentimes it falls down into the fact that they feel like uh, they're not worthy to do it. So maybe somebody comes up to you in church and says, hey, you think you can help us out? We, we need some volunteer leaders for our vacation Bible school. Instead of jumping on the opportunity, saying, ah, no, no, man, I can't do that. Why, why can't you? Do you know me? I can't, I can't do that. Have you, you have any idea what my life was like before Jesus? Y'all see what I'm saying? This is a condemning conscience. And the enemy who oversees the world system loves to throw ideas into your head so your conscience can continue to be fueled with verbiage that keeps you from serving. So, so what John says is this, even if your heart condemns you, I want you to know God is greater than your heart. Amen. So, so really what is he saying? He's saying quit listening to your condemning conscience and just rest in what God has done for you in Jesus. And as you do this, then you serve. Now watch this, watch this. Y'all still with me say yeah? Because this is pretty slick right here. So then as you serve the Lord Jesus Christ... The Bible says you're being obedient to his commandments, which, by the way, look at the preacher. What are his commandments? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and love one another. Those are his commandments. All right. So as you believe in Jesus, as you love one another, John says, ask whatever you will and you shall receive it. Now, that's pretty crazy. Because what, what are you thinking right now? Here's what you think. If you're not, let me just tell you, here's what I was thinking. I'm going to ask for a million dollars. Can I get a witness on that? That's what I'm going to do. Ask for a new truck. Are y'all listening? If you live in the kingdom called life, you don't make prayers like those in a kingdom called death. These people are selfish. Y'all aren't listening. These people are selfish. And false teachers today are wooing people with selfish ideologies. Follow God, you'd be filthy rich. It'd be all about you, bro. Really? 
Or is it whenever I am serving others that my whole prayer life changes? It's not that I don't ask the Lord to do things in my life. It's not that I don't ask the Lord to meet needs. But, but is it perhaps that whenever I pray, I'm no longer self-centered, but now I'm Christ-centered? And now I begin to pray prayers for Christ and his love to be seen by others through me. Are y'all listening? And now all of a sudden I begin to pray for those who persecute me. Why would I do that? Well, because Jesus said to do that. Now I begin to pray, oh God, I, I mean, I'm, I'm dead tired, but you've called me to this service. Give me the strength to do it. And can I say God has always answered that prayer in my life? And I, Listen, I, listen I, I'm tired after Sundays. But I want to tell you, whenever I've gone overseas and I've taught for eight hours straight, someday, you want to talk about tired, boy, I get tired doing that. But it's amazing. I can say, Lord, give me the strength. And I can be dead dog tired going to do what God's called me to do, and then as I start to do it, I all of a sudden got ridiculous energy. Where did this come from? It's because uh, I want to wave this flag right here, and uh, Jesus honors those who wave this flag. And then whenever you begin to pray, he listens because your prayers now are in line with his kingdom called life. So you tell me, your life, is it in a constant state of resentment and hatred and anger and jealousy and envy and contentions and strife? Is this really described? Is everything about you? Is everything you think everything revolves around you? And I know nobody would ever say that out loud, but if you just got honest before yourself, you'd say, you know what? It really is me. That's how I'm living. And that's my continual life. Then uh, you need to move this morning. And the only way you can move is by trusting in the king of the kingdom called life who showed his love to you through his death, burial, and resurrection and invites you now to come on over, move over here. And check it out. As you move over there, here's what you do. You literally take your surrender flag and you now actually surrender it over to the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you're surrendered here, that red flag of love Blows in the wind. <laughs> Y'all picking up what we're putting down this morning? Now, this also for me, and I, I promise I gotta, I'm gonna, I gotta close this thing up, but for me, man, what a help this is for me as a follower of Jesus. Don't put your stuff up, I might preach another 10 or 20. This, that's all I needed. But this helps me because now I'm an ambassador of the kingdom called life, living in such a way and telling people, and it's as if God himself is begging people through me to be reconciled to God. So now I realize there are people caught up in this country called death, and I get the opportunity to come in and say, hey, the Lord has made a way for you to move. You don't have to stay there. <laughs> That's why we make disciples everywhere. So isn't that what Jesus tells me? Kingdom called life. He's like, now go and make disciples. Go. I'm going to beg people through your life to be reconciled to me. Go. Follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Go fish. 
Man, I love my Bible. Y'all all right? It's pretty awesome how it all just kind of fits together. It's like the Holy Spirit put it together. Yeah, he did. That was a joke. All right, y'all with me? So how are you living? Really, it's kind of three categories. Some of you guys are over here still, and I'm saying, come on, pack your bags. Time to move. Some of you guys are over here, and your flag is waving, waving, waving. And then some of you are over here, but for whatever reason, you've allowed the enemy to keep you from flying your flag. You need to change that. Jesus said, uh, don't hide your light. Let your light so shine before men that they, check this out, they see your good works. What are they looking at? Looking at your service. You're not just loving in word and deed, you're showing it. And they glorify your Father who's in heaven. Well, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, speak to hearts now. Only you can really cause people to move spiritually from one kingdom to the next. But God, I pray that there are some today who would make that decision by faith, trusting in Jesus who paid the penalty of their sins. So speak to them even now. Your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, nobody's looking around, but you're here today and you say, Levi, man, I'm a, I'm a citizen of the kingdom of death. I, di I didn't realize that till this morning, but I want to move. And listen, you can. The Bible says, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if you're here this morning and you want to call upon him, just do it right there in your seat. Just pray something like this. Lord, I am a sinner, and I live in a country called death. But today I want to surrender my life to you. Thank you for paying for the penalty of my sin on the cross. Thank you for dying as my substitute. Thank you for the resurrection and Father, today I want to just move in and become a citizen of the kingdom called life. And thank you for hearing my prayer and answering my prayer this morning. Your heads bowed, your eyes closed if you're here today. And I mean, that's the prayer of your heart. First step of obedience for a new believer is baptism. We're celebrating that our next service. And Man, we'd love to set you up an opportunity in the days ahead to be baptized. So if you've given your life to Jesus this past week or maybe even this morning and you need to be baptized, I'm going to be here in the front. Others as well and uh, other pastors, we wanted you to just leave the place where you've been seated this morning. You come forward, all right? You're coming forward to say, Levi, man, I, I gave my life to Jesus today and we want to celebrate. We, we'll all wave our flags together, so to speak. Or God may be calling you to join this church body, right? Participate in what God's doing in this fellowship. You've been visiting, and man, you want to link arms with a fellowship that is serious about making disciples. And if that's you, you come. We'd love for you to be not only a member, but a servant among us right here as we serve the Lord Jesus together. And Father, we give you the invitation and pray that you would work as you see fit, calling people to yourself. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand to our feet while we sing. You come this morning.